0: And welcome, friends, to the Generations broadcast. Kevin Swanson, your host with you. Steve Vaughn, our board member for Generations and Christian Home Educators of Colorado, is uh, my co host on this edition. Steve, hey. Happy Christmas. Yeah. Happy Christmas. We've got, you know, the Christmas season coming through, and we remember the incarnation, the coming of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to save us from our sins.
1: Amen to that, and uh, looking forward to that. I've got my family here. I've got some family here from uh, Abigail and and Connor have come back from Spokane, and uh, they are they're visiting here, and they'll be here with us for Christmas.
0: Well, and uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the relationship of, of of Christmas and Sunday service that's happening on uh, this Sunday. Uh, Christmas shows up on Sunday about about every seven years. And, uh, you know, the celebration of Christmas, let's just say it, is Christian liberty. I, I believe it's, you know, you, you don't enforce that. The church didn't say you celebrate Christmas or else. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is definitely in the category of Romans 14. You know, some people celebrate this day or that day. Uh, they do it unto the Lord and so be it. So that to me is a matter of Christian liberty. Yeah. But this, the, the coming together. The not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is, and the early church always brought together a convocation on the first day of the week. Uh, That's basic. Now, I realize that some organizations, some churches, some denominations will get together on the seventh day as well. That's fine. But the, the pattern of the early church all the way back to 1 Corinthians 16 has been that the church comes together on the first day of the week. And we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. So that, to me, is not a matter of Christian liberty. It's not like, you know, hey, doesn't really matter if, if you gather together. No, it does matter about gathering together as the saints of God. So, you know, on the one hand, you can celebrate Christmas on December 25th, December 26th, or on June 14th, if you want. Now, June 14th is my birthday, so make that June 15th. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's a matter of Christian liberty is what I'm getting at.
1: Yeah, yeah. You might get more presents if they celebrated on June 14th, though. So, um, yeah. or you could give all kinds. Of, yeah, <laughs> but 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 now here's
0: the problem. Quite a few churches are canceling worship this Sunday for the holiday. 84 uh, percent of churches committing to hold worship services, but that's down from 89 percent in 2016. It turns out it's non-denominational churches least likely to meet this Sunday. On Christmas Day, so 61% non-denominationals likely to meet this Sunday. The the most likely to gather together up in the 90 percentiles are the Lutherans, the Methodists, and the Presbyterian Reformed. So that's the way this thing is, is breaking down. And my daughters found this meme online. I have no idea where they found it, but one of my daughters mentioned this to us. I think it was last night, she said, said, skipping church for Christmas with your family is like celebrating your anniversary by yourself, you know, without your spouse.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, I think it's very appropriate because, uh, I mean, why are we celebrating this anyway is because of the incarnation of Christ, which is why we gather, part of why we gather every Sunday to celebrate not only his incarnation, but his death and resurrection. I mean, every Sunday we're celebrating Christ And now we're not getting together to celebrate each other. Excuse
0: me, honey. I'm trying to celebrate our anniversary. Would you please just, you know, um, just leave me alone for a day? I'm 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 trying to celebrate (laughs) our anniversary. What's wrong with you? (laughs) Um, there may be some truth there. There may be some truth there. Jesus said, "Where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst." And he's speaking to his disciples in this point, he's speaking to the apostles the the elders, the leaders of the church, who eventually would lay hands on others, you know, and others would become the new pastors and elders and churches in Jerusalem and Antioch and so forth. and so the leaders of the leadership of the church just expands from one local church to another, but where Jesus said, "Where two or three of you are gathered, speaking to the initial elders, the apostles." of the early church said so where two or three of you are gathered there I am in the midst which means it's not just a me and Jesus moment and it's not just a my family and Jesus moment there's a there's a special presence of Jesus when we're gathered together and when we gather together we usually have the supper that's brought out in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 when you come together uh, when you come together as the ecclesia that's that 's mentioned three or four times in first corinthians eleven do so you 're come together as the ecclesia to have communion to have fellowship, to have koinonia with the living Christ at the table now it 's not a function of the family okay now, some people say, well, the family can do whatever it wants to do. no the family cannot engage in you know civil crime, criminal Prosecutions okay? That's something a family cannot do. And a family jurisdiction is not include the, uh, the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. That belongs to the local church. And uh, so the idea is, whenever the church comes together to have the Lord's Supper, then we're given certain uh, instructions in First Corinthians chapter 11. But the church is coming together for what? For communion. and there's a special presence of Jesus at the table, at the Lord's table. And again, the ecclesia is coming together for a special communion fellowship, koinonia, with Jesus Christ. It's First Corinthians 10 and, 11. and you want to skip that? You just well, you know, we 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 really don't want to. Um, we really don't want to have that koinonia. We we don't need Jesus here with us today in any special way because you know it's just a family day. It's a family day. We're with Jesus today. Um, we just don't need him here. You know, we don't need that special moment of communion as the Ecclesia comes together, First Corinthians 11. All right, well, obviously I'm opinionated on this. <laughs> We're going to talk more on this in just a moment, Steve. Be back in just a moment on the Generations Broadcast. Stay with us. You know, busyness has a way of creeping into our lives. As dads, it can leave us longing for moments of one-on-one time with our sons to simply talk, and those moments can be tough to come by. I get it. That's one of our top goals for our annual summer father-son retreat in the Colorado Mountains, to provide quality time for you to connect with your son. Can you think of anything more important for your schedule next year? If you are looking for an opportunity to bond, to really bond with your son, then join me, Kevin Swanson and hundreds of other fathers and sons from across the country next August. But be sure to register soon because we max out the camp every year and we're already filling up. Go to ColoradoFatherSon.com today and choose one of the two weekends available before they are full. Lord willing, I will be there and it will be a great opportunity to meet you and your son. This is your chance to secure the lowest price for this event. So go to ColoradoFatherSon.com and register today. And we are back on the Generations broadcast, Kevin Swanson with you, Steve on as well. Excuse me, honey, we're we're trying to celebrate our anniversary. Would you please just just leave me alone for now? Because I'm celebrating an anniversary, <laughs> our anniversary. And I'd just rather you not be here with me right now. Something wrong with that, Steve. Something wrong with that.
1: I mean, even though I mean you're t- saying it pretty tongue in cheek, but if that if that truly is how your marriage is, your marriage is in trouble. And, and if yep. you're skipping church because of the celebration of Christ, and we're skipping church because of the celebration of the Incarnation in Christ, the church is in trouble. Uh, the, the church was compared, you know, Paul compared marriage to Christ and his church in uh, Ephesians chapter 5. I speak of a mystery, but that mystery is Christ and his church. And, and the church is in trouble if we're not meeting because uh, we want to not inconvenience people on this family day.
0: You know, I'd like to take a moment and look at some worldview foundations, some theological foundations, the basic worldview that undergirds everything that we think and everything we do in life. So I want to go down into the footers of the foundation of a biblical worldview. And there are three views of the church, okay, three views of the church amongst professing Christians. The first of which, the church is optional and has little or nothing to do with with my relationship with God. Okay, that's number one. Number two, the church is everything, and one doesn't need to have a personal relationship with God. Just belong to the church, and you're good to go. Okay, that's number two. The number three view of the church is the church is essential, but so is a personal relationship with God. Does God relate to the unity of a congregation, or does God relate to each individual, 100 million individuals individually around the world? Well, I actually take the third position that, that both are important. The church is important, and the individual relationship with God is absolutely important. In fact, in the scriptures, you find that Jesus relates to the church. He threatens to pull this candlestick of Laodicea, stands at the door and knocks, just in case there's any individual that's alive and kicking in the church to actually hear him. So there it is in you know Revelation 3.21. But as far as that church is concerned, it's pretty much history. He's going to yank the church. Uh, so the candlestick, and so you know, you have Jesus in relationship with the candlestick. Jesus in relationship with His body, the head to the body. Jesus in relationship uh, with the olive tree, or Jesus in relationship with the the branches, the vine to the branches. So there's this relationship that Christ has, not just to individuals, but to to the body of the church itself so the answer is it's a both and absolutely this boils down to a question of the oneness and the manyness which is more ultimate the many particular individuals or the oneness of the body and the answer of course from the trinitarian perspective is both are equally important now the unitarian worldview the muslim worldview is interested in the unity The oneness of all things, the oneness of the institution, the oneness of God, the institution of the church or the state, then becomes the most important thing for the Muslim, as well as the Roman Catholic, and those who are really, really, really attached to the the institutional element of man's relationship with God. You're baptized in the church, you're good to go, that sort of thing. Now, a polytheistic worldview, on the other hand, emphasizes the ultimacy of the individual's. But the Trinitarian worldview accepts the equal ultimacy of both the individual and the institution, or the organic unit. Now, again, this is sort of heavy philosophy, guys, but it's an extremely fundamental issue. I mean, you can see how this mm-hmm. affects every single part of your life. This is huge, absolutely huge. What's more preeminent, the individual or the institution? Everybody acts upon a certain view of the issue. And with Christians, we give the individual and the institution equal recognition. Now, now I, I think, sadly, Christians tend not to apply a biblical worldview or a Trinitarian worldview to life. They're not thinking about their their footers and their foundations. They haven't thought through their worldview enough, and so they're too affected by the world. The world errs towards powerful institutions, like Marxism uh, emphasizes the state on the one side, and then off towards libertarianism, individualism, and anarchism on the other side, which is a little bit more America than some of the other nations around the world. America tends towards libertarianism, individualism. But thoughtful Christians will see the Bible speaking to both. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. And then Paul says, you know, Paul the Apostle, to the church at Thessalonica, which is in Christ. Oh, oh you mean the church is in Christ? Yeah, oh yeah, the church is in Christ. Well, isn't the individual in Christ? Yes, both. Yes, both in relationship to God. And that's a shocker to a lot of folks who aren't thinking in terms of the one and the many at the very same time. As church members, we're all branches sticking out of the same vine. The Psalms, you know, which is God's worship book, have the we Psalms and the me Psalms. You know, there's there's my relationship with God. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why out there, disquieted within me, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then there's the we psalms. you got the me and the we psalms, the both and. And we got to have an eye for this. We tend not to. We tend to think of our individual relationship with God instead of the corporate relationship with God. And I would say it's very crucial that we think about the body as well. We're part of a body, members one of another. Romans 12, 5, so we, though many, are one body in Christ— and individually members one of another, meaning there's this this sort of sticking together with one another. We don't love the brother whom we can see. How can we love God whom we cannot see? So the visible church and our relationship one with another in this visible body of Christ is important. Modern individualistic Christians often see themselves as Mr. Potato Head when your two-year-old has scattered the arms, the legs, the, the ears all over the living room. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you've you've had that experience, right? You've you've got all body parts all over the <laughs> oh, place, <yeah. laughs> and so when you go to church, you know you don't find this body; you find all these individual parts and pieces of, of bodies laying all over this building. You're like, what's going on with this? Now, now, you know what am I saying? What I'm saying is, it's it's the way we think about our relationship with God, and the corporate aspect is largely ignored by so much of Christianity today. And, and I'm just trying to bring this back.
1: Yeah, what's interesting, I, I, I love the illustration of the body. You know, me as a, as a nurse being in the healthcare field, uh, if you have a body without a head, um, there's a big problem there, um, and so you, you don't want to separate the head from the body. It's a both-and. Christ is the head. We are the body, and if we we need to be thinking of it in terms of that, and the body is made up of separate organ systems with individual cells that make up the separate organ systems, and so you, you've got the hands, you've got the feet, you've got the internal parts, the body. The Bible talks about all of this. Working together, mm-hmm. we make a strong right, body, right. but we need everybody individually to work together corporately with Christ being our head. You can't separate from the head or you have no life.
0: And non-denominational churches least likely to meet this Sunday and uh, the most likely in the 90 percentiles you've got the Lutherans, the Methodists, the Presbyterians, Reforms. And I think a lot of that is due to the fact that some denominations have a stronger view of the church uh, than the non-denoms, And generally individualistic evangelicals just are not respecting the church as much as the institutionally-minded Lutherans, Methodists, Presbyterians, although many Presbyterians are quite individualistic in their thinking as well. And I, I believe this is something we just have to chew on, and we need to somehow revive these concepts in a heavily individualized age that we live in today. Do we feel covenantal connection together in Christ? Or is our church, a Mr. Potato Head, scattered all over the floor of the church building on a Sunday morning? I actually did this in our church at one point, Steve. I, I scattered pieces of Mr. Potato Head all over the place. And I said, okay, what is this church? You know, And that just gave us a chance to think about, you know, are we thinking of ourselves as covenantally connected? Eating of the one bread, being the one bread, eating of the one bread, you know, as it's spoken of in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So we talked through this. Uh, This Christmas Day, our church is holding our morning and evening services both. I'm not sure what the attendance is going to be like. I trust it'll be okay. Um, But you know what? Even when we've had snowstorms out here on the eastern plains of Colorado, and you know, Steve, we get socked pretty heavy. Uh, We'll get the 14, 16 (laughs) inches, and I still conduct the four-wheel drive service. You know, I mean, I'm not telling everybody to come. I'm just you know, getting into my excursion with my pretty high center, and I'm, I'm, you know, crashing through the snow to make it to the church building so that we can do church on a Sunday morning. Um, <laughs> I just think we need to be steadfast in a day in which the church is dying, dissolving, flaking out, and certainly the COVID-19 years was was a testimony to to the, the weakness of commitment to the church body. Uh, you know, we insisted on weekly meetings with smaller groups in the church building during the complete COVID shutdown. Uh That would have been way back in March, April, early May timeframe before we called everybody together. But we were still, you know, c- crashing through uh, to pull together a small convocation of the saints. I just think that's essential. uh we 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 absolutely must be dogged at keeping the church together, uh, come the gates of hell or high water against us. Uh, the health of the members depend on the health of the church, and the health of the church is dependent on the health of the members. Now, when I was writing this this morning, I got to thinking of the Three Musketeers motto. Remember that
1: all f- one for um, all and all for one or all for one. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I made one small adaptation. I want you, I want you to check out this adaptation. Uh, One for all, all for one, and all for Christ. So, you know, I I modified it just a little bit. Yeah, I think that
1: works.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that works, yeah. Put that on the front of the bulletin, right? Um, All for one, one for all, and all for Christ. The health of individuals mean the health of the body. The health of the body contribute to the health of the individual's. And families who've engaged in church hopping and to get all tangled up in church conflicts, and there's this weak church involvement in terms of attendance, et cetera, et cetera. Over the years, this, I think, is the number one contributor to apostasy in families over the years. I've seen this, guys, over, you know, some 45, 50 years of involvement in the homeschooling movement. Um, And I do believe that the foolishness of preaching of the Word of God is important. I think it's central. I think it's the means God uses to convert, not the only means. But uh, Romans ten says, "How will they be saved unless there is a preacher?" You know, so so it seems to me that the power comes through the foolishness of Billy Bob's preaching on a Sunday morning. I know he's not a very good speaker. I, I know he stumbles over his words. I know he's not as good as Franklin Graham on YouTube. You know, I get that, you know, but it's, you say, well, you know what Billy Bob's preaching, the foolishness of Billy Bob's preaching is going to bring about the salvation of sinners and the conversion of my children to the third and fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh generation you got to be kidding me. The foolishness of preaching in the local church, 2 Timothy 4, one, is God's means of getting people saved and building up the body of Christ? What do you say to that, Steve?
1: Yeah, well, uh, it's not the power of us. It's the power of Christ in us. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And it's always been that way. It's always been Christ in you is the hope of glory and that he works through us. He doesn't need us, but he has chosen to use us and chosen to That's have it. a relationship with us.
0: That's it. And, you know, he, he's chosen this means of bringing about uh, conversion. It's, it's a means. It's, it's, and, and the Holy Spirit does the work, right? So the Holy Spirit is is regenerating and, and bringing faith and repentance out. But, but the means God uses is the preaching of the gospel. And and how that works, we we don't know. It's like the farmer who plants his seeds, goes to bed, and he wakes up, checks out his crops, and he's got all this fruit, and he says, I know not how it happened. Yeah. <laughs> it just happened. But it wouldn't happen. I'm going to add this. It wouldn't happen had it not been a farmer scattering seeds. So you, you still need that. And the means God has chosen Second uh, Timothy four one is the church and the preaching of the word of God in the context of the church. So, what's the message we send our kids when we say, "Guys, we're going to do our kids' soccer games today instead of attending church"?
1: Yeah, that's
0: we're going to a... do Christmas
1: instead of going to church today. What, what are we telling our kids? Church isn't that important. The relationship between each other, the covenant that we have with the body and with Christ, is—I mean—it's not essential.
0: Yeah, I think so. You're saying family time is more important than focusing on the words of Jesus or the preaching of the Word of God. Family time, more important than the body of Christ coming together. Now, I'm not saying family isn't important. I believe family is vitally important, and I do believe the health of the family does contribute to the health of the church and vice versa. But uh, but friends, listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 10, 34. Do, do not think I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword for I come to set a man against his father a daughter against her mother and man's enemies will be that of his own household he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me and he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me he who finds his life will lose it he who loses his life for my sake will find it what Christ is doing here for us is setting our priorities for us and what he's saying is he's more important than our family? So when, when when we are mainly operating in the horizontal and not concerned with with meeting with Jesus' people in the presence of Christ on a Sunday morning, what are we conveying in terms of our priorities? Is our priority family? Is our priority soccer? Or is our priority? The presence of Jesus, worshiping Jesus, and being part of the body of Christ on a Sunday morning. Uh, That's my question on this Christmas season 2022. And friends, I hope this has been helpful to you. This is Kevin Swanson and Steve Vaughn wishing you a Merry Christmas, a Happy Christmas. Remember the incarnation. Remember the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's come to save us from our sins. And he's, he's come that he might have a bride. He's come that he might have a body, a church, to be in fellowship with the body of Christ on into eternity. So the church is just a introduction to what we will enjoy in the eons of eternity. Friends, I'd like to welcome you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation.